Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Good morning. And getting up very early for us is Dan Marinelli from Colesblad, California. Hello, Dan. Good morning. This week, we're going to be talking to Dan about a range of subjects that are close to his heart. Um, but before we do that, here's some feedback from last week. Johnny? Uh, yeah, I actually kind of wouldn't want to know where Carl's blad is, but that's okay. We, <laughs> that's we like can, Carl's blad. <laughs> Carl's bad. Well, we know okay. Carl's bad for, for, the, uh, for what Carl's we're about to do. Is like if Carl had a Hasselblad. Carl's blad. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's get right into the feedback. Um, well, there you go. That was quick because um, uh, Carl, in last week's episode, which was the Pick on Carl Week episode, um, Carl's Carl's mouse, Bluetooth mouse, um, <laughs> was w- w- was running rampant yesterday and destroying things, and accidentally somehow deleted the comment thread on the Photography of Classic Lenses page uh, for episode thirty. So, boof! There goes all the 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 feedback, which. I was just, you know, I was beside myself when I heard that last night because that meant that I, I, I would not have to um, prepare this morning. And everybody knows how much I love to do my pre-show preparation. So I was really brokenhearted to see all those comments disappear. Um, but fortunately, well, we do have a couple that folks jump back on and repost it. So uh, Luca Brasi says, way to screw the pooch, Carl. <laughs> so that's a good comment. And then... Uh, Nelson Mullis says, um, good episode, especially for a wing it. I think Johnny should definitely do a poetic mashup of Jimmy's awesome lines. I would have done so, Nelson, but again, Carl destroyed the comment thread, so didn't have time to do that. Um, so maybe next time, Jimmy had a massive uh, comment that he left. I think he was intentionally seeding it with lines to be pulled into the Jimmy comment poetry. So we'll we'll do that maybe next week if we can keep Carl's crazy mouse away from the comment thread. Um, but so he uh, went on to say, what I like about Carl's assessment is uh, that, that they're very first person and real instead of, well, I read the reviews and here's in summary. So, um, so Carl, keep it real. And uh, that concludes the comment threads. Unless you want me to talk about the Instagram. Oh, comments. yes, actually. Yeah, we have, we have got one more thing, haven't we? And I was going to say, after that, perhaps we should talk about some news. So you can come back to me. Oh, on yeah, that. We, yeah. yeah we can, we can do that. I'm looking at the comment thread, though, and um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> so, so Sunny 16 Podcast commented on the, the cover artwork for the uh, Podcast 30. Um, if you haven't seen it, we have the rabbit acquisition monkey in the lower right corner of that. So Sunny16 asked if that was Carl, uh, bottom right. Um, and that's about the media comment that I see there. Yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty about, much it. Is that about, <laughs> that about right? Okay, so that was we we're just t- taking another moment to talk about Carl uh, on the Instagram comments. But I, I think that just about wraps us up. Yeah, I you know think- I- uh, one of the things I was just going to say when I after I realized that I deleted that last night and then couldn't get it back, I thought, well, I'll just reestablish the link from one of the other pages, and I don't have to worry about the comments because 
Johnny will have already looked at the comments. He certainly wouldn't wait. Till, he certainly wouldn't wait till the morning of the podcast to do his homework. No, I wouldn't wait till two minutes before the podcast to do that. I never do that, Carl. <laughs> Oh well then. Uh, well, well, I was going to say any 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 kind of um, uh, rowing back from being being uh, hard on Cole this week is is has gone out the window now after what he's just done there. So uh, I think we can we can carry on having to go at him this week if we if we have the uh, opportunity. Um, yeah, but um, um, actually, let's, yeah, let's do a little bit of news actually because you you did something yesterday, didn't you, Johnny? Uh, no, actually, um, I just got off the podcast about twenty minutes ago. <laughs> with with sunny 16 we were on for about 16 hours um and finally got through no i'm exaggerating it was only like four hours and finally got through uh all of the um what is it hold on wait what i should use the shot challenge thank you i was gonna pull up the correct nomenclature which was the the cheap shots challenge you spent you spent three to four hours talking about it yesterday and you can't remember it that's cape edition i didn't get a lot of sleep last night because we were on so late so um but, but yes we did we did do the landscape edition of cheap shots challenge where we went through um what seemed like an endless list of submissions, which were excellent. There were there were a lot of go, including one from our our guest, who's on the show with us today, um, and that that was that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I'm sure Simon, you will not be disappointed at the completely illogical <laughs> judging criteria I used to pick the winning entries, um, of which I, I maybe well. I can. I guess I could say there's two winners, and then you'll just have to tune into Sunny Sixteen podcast to find out if you won or not. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a lot of fun, and and we we finally got through uh, everything. Um, there are really there are really fun bunch, and I and I and I think uh, we can say that we're going to have Adon from uh, Sunny Sixteen here somewhere in the not too distant future. So. We will look forward to having a conversation with him about what they do over at Sunny 16 and what he does. That'll be great. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's all the news I got. Okay. Well, uh, let's move on to this week, and I'm going to hand straight back over to you again, Johnny. Because I haven't talked enough yet this no, morning, right? Nowhere near. Nowhere near, nowhere near. Okay. So joining us from Carlsblad, California, is uh, – Dan Marinelli and and so I'm it's, this is really cool to have Dan on because it's like um a big you know crossroads cross crossing of paths kind of coming full circle um I I met Dan well I met Dan virtually um via Instagram about 2 years ago now when he kicked off the half frame club um so when I was on Instagram, kind of looking around, getting more into it, I was really wanting to post some of my uh, Olympus Pen F images, and th there wasn't really a lot of activity going on on Instagram around Half Frame. And then poof, there's I find Dan's Half Frame Club. Um, so and and it was just getting started. I think there were literally like maybe four or five or six or eight images at that time in the pool. So I I sent some submissions in and got a nice email back from Dan and. You know, we started chit-chatting and all that, and um, I guess it was maybe, I don't know, six months or so after that. Um, Something like that, yeah. yeah. Dan was out in Chicago, and we caught up and had a couple beers, and, and, and Chad had a really good conversation about geeking out on camera gear and everything. So 
Um, so it, it was just really cool to meet somebody in real life um, that is, you know, A, a great photographer, uh, B, not a stalker and just a cool guy. And um, you're not a stalker at all, Dan. You're awesome. Uh, no, but seriously, it was it was a, it was just a great, great chance to catch up. And um, so since then, you know, Half Frame Club is really taken off and and had a uh, a much larger life and a lot of activity to the point where dan you've you've done one zine with um submissions from to half frame club that's a, i think very close to publication and you i know you have another uh submissions open right now for another what couple of days yeah for the 15th yeah for the next the next edition which i got mine in last night so i could say i did that this morning in the podcast um so Half Frame Club is is really just kind of this great thing that's cruising along. And then, Dan, you've, you've done, you can tell us a little bit more about this too, but you've um, been kind of all over doing reviews and writing, you know, different articles. You've had a couple things on 35MMC, uh, did a did something really cool on Film Shooter, Shooters Collective, um, did a comparison of 100 speed films on Emulsive, uh, yeah. and you are officially a, a cosmonaut over at Cosmo Photo, yes? That's true as well, yeah. Cool. I like to spread it all around there. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, so I guess uh, Dan, I, I I did a introduction of you, but why don't, why don't you go ahead and do your own introduction? Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a nurse by trade. I work as a nurse, um, and I kind of in my nursing career teach people how to take a more artistic approach to something that's kind of scientific. I mean, there's, there's an art and a science to nursing. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to become a nurse is because it's kind of a part-time job. Not really, but kind of. Um, so I end up having free time to pursue other artistic endeavors. And one of my main artistic outlets for the last uh, about 20 years or so has been photography. So I like to take a lot of pictures and I've gone through various phases of photography with film and medium format and digital and film again and back and forth. And a couple years ago, I, I uh, when looking for a digital camera, I was kind of stumbled upon a half frame camera and was like, well, this is really rad. And no one does anything with these that I could see um, and started shooting with it and realized oh, I've, you shoot pretty good film, like, you know, a nice high res film. With a half frame camera, you get an image quality that is comparable to, say, shooting something in Micro Four Thirds or APS-C. So I kind of took that and ran with it and and decided at some point, I think I'd read a book by Seth Godin. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Seth Godin, um, about something to do with like becoming the leader of a tribe. And I'm like, oh, there's no tribe for half frame cameras. Like, let's start a half frame tribe. And I kind of did that two years ago. And that's where I'm at now, running around being a tribal leader of a small group of half-frame shooters. Although I think there's, I think the uh, the medium is kind of growing, and um, that tribe is getting bigger as we speak. I think we just eclipsed about 2,000 people, if you use that as a metric, and I'm not sure I do, on uh, on Instagram. But I'd, I have a pretty active community of people sending messages and emails and submitting for the zine and. Our, our first zine is at the publisher trying to get finished up. I think it's going to come out pretty soon. We've got this guy, Caleb Jenkins, producing it. It's going to be really, really awesome. And I got well over 100 submissions for the second zine, too. And I've already started kind of editing those and putting them into a narrative. And hopefully I'll get another 
batch of submissions here the next few days and, and look forward to putting out that second zine. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of a good summary of where I'm at right now. Sorry, I was just unmuting. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I, I thought this was really interesting, Dan. We um, So you and me chatted last night really, really briefly, just, you know, a little bit of sausage making here. We do, we tend to do a, a quick chat with our guests before the program just to make sure that, you know, audio stuff is working and everything. And we actually had a really nice chat last night, just kind of pre-show. And, and I said, Dan, to you that um, I was looking back at emails that you and I had shared about Half Frame Club. And it really struck me that, you know, you, um, you're a goals person in a good way that I, I am like, so not, I'm such a loser. And I was really impressed with, I look back at the four goals you had stated for half frame club on Instagram, which were, uh, build a community of enthusiastic half frame users and increase their, you know, their, their own audience, uh, build an audience of people interested in half frame cameras and try to get, uh, get one out or just observe photos that are they are capable of um, and then share cameras and ideas among the community uh, using materials that come out of the Instagram feed uh, that, it, that are unique and inspiring. And then my final goal is to develop enough content to put out an annual or quarterly zine journal featuring oh, yeah. all the quality art that we made together. So I'm like, damn, that's, you know, um, that's a great accomplishment to actually go from. Yeah. I think I'll, you know, get a bunch of people together to do this thing and uh, maybe publish something. And I'm like, it's like you've actually done that which i'm i'm super i thought i thought that's just you know really a impressive and amazing uh kind of full circle thing that that came out of what your thoughts were with starting half frame club in the first place yeah it's funny because you mentioned that last night and i had i had no idea what i put <laughs> in that email so those i mean those are pretty good goals i like that those are safe yeah. but but realistic and the putting yeah. really putting everyone together and getting the art together is my main goal and it's i get found very little joy out of posting my own work um, on social media and promoting my own work. It doesn't really do much for me. I end up like sitting there like, oh, does people like it? Do they comment? Whereas I get a lot of joy out of posting other people's work and kind of bringing other people and giving them um, good feedback and telling them how good, you know, that role looks great. Keep it up and seeing them grow as a photographer. That just does so much more for me personally. Yeah. I get I get so much more out of it, you know? Yeah, and I, I could maybe speak to that personally, and I know Simon is itching for us to say the word lens, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say uh, to kind of bring it right back to that point is that you know again when I when I got on Instagram I was sort of at a point where I had not been sharing my work very much um, that I was doing, and I was doing more of a mix at that point of film and digital, and wanting to kind of share both and. Um, had only up to that point really been kind of putting more of my digital stuff out there that was shot with classic lenses. And of course I was working, you know, really extensive, extensively with Olympus pen F lenses on, uh, Fuji digital cameras, but also at the same time, you know, shooting pen F lenses on pen F cameras, uh, on film and half frame club was suddenly a big boost for me to be able to put images out that I was making with, um, with those cameras and those lenses kind of to get them out there. And I was also, and still am doing, you know, um, adapting, you know, onto a, a other lenses from other systems onto Olympus Pen F, which works really well. They make these great adapters. Um, 
you know, for all different lens mounts. So it was like all of a sudden I had an outlet for uh, getting the work I was doing with Olympus Pen F lenses kind of out there, not just digitally, but also the film shots that I was digitizing too. Um, so it, to me, it, it like gave me a big boost just in general on Instagram to get more of my classic lens shots out there, but actually shot on film. And that's kind of, honestly, that's really where I started to transition more from shooting and sharing classic lenses shot digitally to really shooting them. Well, really I'd been shooting them, but sharing more of the film shooting I was doing with classic lenses. So to me, it was like this great inspirational turning point that coincided with kind of catching up with what you were doing on half frame club. That's so rad. There, yeah. That's so a- there's my story, Dan, of your positive influence <laughs> in my life and on my photography, which uh, I'm, I'm super grateful for. So right on yeah. at the same time, you showed me an XE two S I think it was that was oh, had, yeah. a, had a yeah. pen F lens on it. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that. I never thought of this. Yeah, that's right. And, I, re- I remember that now showed some pictures of it. And I was, I was, staring at the thing and just marveling you were telling me about how you were a moderator on this photography with classic lenses group <laughs> and uh and i'm like wow there's people doing that that's like such a good idea because you can kind of get the best of both worlds and basically ever since then i've been looking for a good digital camera that i could do that with and i hadn't found one yet you know yeah yeah um simon do you want to ask uh dan maybe about his travails and attempts to find a good digital camera for his classic lenses well i, I do but I, I i feel like just winding back a little bit there um was, there was a, a really interesting comment um that you made down about um half frame uh, being comparable to APS-C and micro four thirds in terms of quality and that 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 was that sort of in, in, intrigued me there um because there are plenty of times when I, I'll, I'll shoot film uh, 35 millimeter and I'll say to myself, this doesn't come anywhere near um, mm-hmm. where my, my my Sony full frame is in terms of resolution and things like that. And then uh, the, the flip side of that is, well, that just, just depends on how you're actually viewing it and how you're actually consuming that th- th- those images. And um, only this weekend, I finally got round to... Um, digitizing some shots I took with a, uh, a Canon 1N uh, with uh, a Samyang uh, 40 mil lens, and I've I've got a few other shots I haven't shared yet. And when you when you put a shot like that up onto the full screen, uh, you can you can see all the film grain. And this is the expired uh, color negative film I was using there. Um, but when I I uh, I turned one shot to black and white and did something as far as John's concerned. Uh, John is concerned is quite horrible. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I did, did quite a bit to it and didn't crush the contrast in any shape or form. And, uh, and when, when I look at that on, on, on Instagram, you know, we're a small format, but it, it just looked absolutely fantastic. I was thinking this, this could have been good enough to be digital is, is, is almost a heretical thing. I could have, could have said there. It, it looked great. So I'm, I'm just interested in where you're, your viewpoint is that um, that half frame is similar to APS-C and how you actually came to that way of thinking. Well, one, I think if you met, if you if you looked at the the frame size of a half frame and measured it out and viewed it as a sensor, I think it's the exact same size or maybe just a touch smaller than APS-C. It's definitely bigger than Micro Four Thirds. Yeah. Um, it's actually so slight, it's slightly bigger. Not to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's actually the APS-C uh, like. Pen F size, it's actually sl- the film area is slightly bigger 
than digital APS-C. It's a little there bit different go. orientation. Yeah, it's a slightly different orientation. So, so in, in theory, if you just look at photography as the amount of light coming into a specific area, right there, it's it can gather more light and is capable of gathering more information. Now, a sensor, of course, can probably do. I mean, it can definitely do better than most films, depending on how you want to judge things. But I think if you were to take a film with really low grain, like Ektar, Portra. T-Max, Delta, one of those things, and take a really high-quality scan of it, um, you'd find the, the quality very comparable. And I think a lot of people maybe don't have really high-quality scans, but if you get, like, big, big scans, like 40-megabyte scans, um, I think, you know, if you're looking on the screen, you'll tell the difference, but printed image, I think the printed images from the half-frame or regular full-frame would, would blow the digital stuff out of the water at that point. Because what happens, I always see pixel compression, or like, I don't know, I, I yeah. call it pixel compression. I can see the pixels on a digital image when it's printed. And I see the grain on a film image, but the grain isn't distracting, whereas when I see the pixels kind of, it, it throws the whole thing off for me, and I just walk away in disgust. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned for Instagram, for social media, for small screen sort of stuff, um, with the scans and how good it looked, I... And since a lot of media and photography is consumed in smaller screens, I think the quality you get out of a half frame is almost the exact same as something you get out of a smaller sensor digital camera when looking at it on a small screen like that of a phone. So, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I print my um, images periodically, both for our little camera group that we have because we bring images in and, and comment on each other's photos. But just when I have one, once in a while I get an image that's a nice image with film and, and I'll print it and mat it. And, um, and I have some in my office and I have some in my, um, in, in the house in one of the rooms and, um, and they're all in black, they're all black and white. And, um, I just noticed sort of over time, new ones have gone up on the walls and older ones are in a pile. And all of them, almost every one has been replaced with a film shot. Because now when I look at a black and white digital shot printed, I don't like the way that it looks. I like, the, I like mm-hmm. the film shots better. There's a, just have a, some char- a character to them when they're printed that's more appealing to me. And also when I look at them, I think, wow, I actually did that with this old film camera. And it looks really cool. Or digital, of course, you know, I can make a cool-looking picture with Lightroom and black and white. The, the interesting point there for me, then, is the case because when we talk about printing and um, in the old days with film, you know, go into a dark room and actually produce prints. But I think the the, the, the majority of us, possibly all of us here, uh, if we if we print, then it's ultimately from a scanned uh, yep. negative. And yeah. uh, and I, at first I was thinking, well, isn't that going to impart some of the digitalness into the um, into the print? But I guess it probably doesn't do it as much because the where you have um, digital noise, that's that's you, you're not really going to get digital noise in the same way when you're taking a photograph of uh, or a scan of a of a film because everything is going to be correctly exposed because noise tends to come from like the the shadow areas and things like that well in theory you're, you're not actually taking shadows and stuff you're just taking a, a representation of what of a finished product aren't you i don't know if i'm making sense there or not no i think that makes perfect sense and some of the fo- the a lot of the newer films too like the ones i mentioned portra actor they're actually built to be scanned yeah yep. um they're they're designed with the scanner in mind um, whereas before they reformulated portrait it was designed to be printed like at a C41 lab. Now it's designed to be scanned and printed 
digitally. And a lot of film photographers have some element of digital workflow involved in it too. So it's, it's kind of a hybrid sort of thing for people, but you could still make prints in the dark room uh, on black and white at least. Mm. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that, that's thank, thanks for that. That was that was really interesting. And I think now, uh, just going back to where where uh, Johnny sort of handed over to me there, um, we can we can perhaps help you with a uh, um, your your digital camera selection <laughs> that um, because you've been struggling with that, and that's something that that's something that you're uh, you're, you're looking at getting into. And I think I already know what what Johnny's going to say, and and uh, which will be get a get a Fuji. Nah, screw that. Don't 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 even bother. I would say get a I, I would I would say get a X one hundred F uh, S whatever flavor you want and just for I, I do I do basically everything that I do at digital at this point, product photography, snapshots of people, all that I just do on the fixed lens X one hundred. I don't even care about the other shit anymore. And so, if you if you wanted to use a classic lens, <laughs> Johnny. Oh, oh, oh! If you meant, oh, I see what you mean, Simon. You mean like about classic lenses, like you know the subject of the pod. Oh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, sure. Get a. You, I mean, if you have a lot of half frame lenses, you, they're perfect on a Fuji. But of course, you know that's not acceptable because only a full frame sensor is acceptable. So you have to get a Sony. You have no other choice. Um, no, that's you, not, no, 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 no. That, that's that's not the that's not the official line at all, is it? It's it's a case. Sure of, it is. No, it's yeah. not haven't possible. you haven't you been to um, photography with classic lenses with Sony cameras, which is our our? <laughs> no, it's not. no, it's not. No, it's not. But it. But I, I I think it. I think it's safe to say from. Okay, so from my here's my experience because I, I have a lot of lenses and I have a Fuji, and I have a full frame camera, and um, the SLR lenses, I think are much nicer on a full frame sensor. And um, on the other hand, the pen lenses and, and some of my LTM Canon lenses, I like them better on the Fuji. So I, I use both of those cameras. Now, Johnny, the only digital camera I've ever heard you really rave about and put up on the same pedestal as film is the M10. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah, basically. I actually agree exactly with what you said, Carl. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm so kidding about the Sony thing, and so not kidding about the Sony thing, because it's just kind of, it's taken over and it's become kind of ubiquitous. Almost like people aren't even thinking. There's, I gotta get a full frame digital camera, and unless you're, you know, actually, I think it makes more sense to do that if you're adapting classic lenses i think if you're going to shoot digital system lenses i think sony makes way less sense because now you you're buying these really expensive bullshit not zeiss lenses that say zeiss on them and you're paying through the nose for them you got all this extra pixel information you're never going to need unless you're making giant prints so for most average users they do not need a full frame digital system camera with digital system expensive lenses you get the same quality out of APS-C. And that's where I think, you know, Fuji and other formats do make sense. But ironically, I think the best use for a full frame, you know, digital Sony camera is if you're actually adapting lenses that are made for that format. Because now you're saving a ton of money. You're, you're getting the same, you know, aspect ratio. You get the same field of view as those lenses were originally providing. Um, it's a different animal. It's not the same as recording on film but that's that's just it is what it is there's nothing wrong with that but i i mean i think for 
you know, if you have lenses that are APS-C for APS-C sensor size or for film size, they're going to be outstanding on, on Fuji. And I, I agree with, with Carl. I think a lot of uh, rangefinder lenses are actually better on uh, the, the, the Fuji mount because of the kind of the way that mount was designed. And also just, I think the cameras themselves tend to have more of a, um, a user experience that matches more closely to the experience of using the cameras those lenses would have gone on. So it just, right. it, it feels righter to me to do it that way. And I think if you've got a, a boatload of SLR lenses, yeah, you probably want to, you probably want a Sony and that, that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, yes, if I had unlimited resources, I would probably get an M10 and put, you know, old rangefinder lenses on there, but that ain't going to happen. So the, Fu the Fuji has a, a shutter speed dial on top. Don't forget to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I use extensively and because it's, you know, it's just, it's like an analog camera shutter speed dial. So if you like analog cameras, you might like a Fuji. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's a big deal. Like from usability, um, and having a workflow that you can kind of move back and forth between whatever you're doing quickly and not have to have any sort of gap or time to, to, relearn something like i'm all in on shutter speed dials on top i couldn't even understand like pasm stuff just i hate it i've never ever 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 liked it tell it brother i'm i'm in tears over here oh my god oh my finger i mean that's just like that's that's archaic there's 80s autofocus 35 mil. i i mean it's it just never ever worked i don't know why um and I know some people are really good at it, and that's their workflow. But it it, it never worked for me. I never yeah. felt comfortable with it. So it, I'm kind of actually pigeonholed into Fuji cameras just because, or Leica. I think Leica has all. I've never even touched a Leica, so um, I don't. I think they have that sort of functionality built in. But I know that's closest camera I've found or felt and shot with to meeting my needs is an X Pro Two at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but I couldn't rationalize spending that amount of money for something that I was ultimately just going to use to take like product shots and snapshots of my kids and it was it's just still a little too bulky for for what i wanted it to be you know i've got i've got to say i think that um uh, as much as the two of you are, are wrong about uh, about that shutter speed <laughs> dial on the top yeah, we'll, do, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll do that another time another time but i i, I respect your, your opinions even though they're wrong um but um, of course of course yeah. um but no I, I, it sounds like an xe2 is uh, is 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 will be right down your street it's going to be smaller um and and yeah, you know, with you being that you know the, the half frame person that, that you are now and, and i know that you, you're not a big fan of the uh, the pen f uh, Olympus, um, but if ever you did head down that route and you did start to uh, use some of those lenses, then it, they just it just makes a ton of sense on on an APS-C camera. And of course, there's other APS-C cameras are available. Canon make one, believe it or not, um, or a few of them now. And uh, and of course, there's the like, cameras like the A6000 as well with 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 Sony. But it just it just seems logical uh, that Fuji would be the, uh, the 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 right one for you. But it's 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 interesting actually that you you've used lots of half frame cameras, um, but you you've you've not really uh, fallen in love with the with the the, the Pen F half frame interchangeable lens cameras. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to, I wanted to, I really wanted that to be my camera, but it ended up, it's, it's heavy. It's really heavy in a good way. It's yeah. very heavy, feels like so solid in the hand, but I'm not the kind of, personally for my photography, I don't like bring a bag out for the day and go shoot. 
I either throw a camera around my neck or stuff in my pocket and I go. Uh, I don't like to bring more than one lens out. I maybe stuff an extra roll of film in if I'm close to the end of a roll, but most of the time it's real minimal when I'm going out to shooting. And I was at, with the with my experiences with that Pen F. I, there wasn't many that I wouldn't rather just have a full frame 35 millimeter camera at the size and weight of the Pen F. Um, I like you know my favorite half frames are small ones that I can stuff in my pocket. So that's like your original pen, your pen EE, um, EES, all that stuff. Um, although, interesting enough, my favorite half frame right now is a Yashica Samurai, which is giant and looks wow. like a camcorder. But uh, I, I met none of my goals and just snuck up on me, and all of a sudden I fell in love with it. But my so it would you know maybe I'd like the Pen F now, and I want to like it because I know that some of those lenses, like the thirty-eight and the forty, are just like yeah, they're really mm-hmm. good lenses. They're really nice yeah. to use. They feel good, and I could I could have this almost romantic idea of of finding a a nice APS-C camera to put one of those lenses on and manually focus it and shoot beautiful portraits of my kids because they slow down enough for me to manually focus them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I've got a, I've got an X-Pro1, um, and I think the only reason I actually keep it is for the day when I finally end up with a, a 40mm f, f1.4 pen lens, because the, the shots that I've seen Carl do with it, um, I look at them and I think to myself, you know, the, 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 the image quality that, that's coming across there is... Uh, it's faultless it looks exactly like i would like a photograph to look yeah now is that the one that's the ultron lens yeah yeah that's the one you 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 probably heard me i don't even know it's basically the lens the the lens design itself the formulation Mm -hmm. of the elements um that particular design uh it, it it sharpens up very very quickly most lenses sharp tend to sharpen up around the you know middle apertures uh f8 five you know five six eight eleven and that lens sharpens up at it starts getting really sharp at like 2.8 which is ridiculous so you you get a really really crisp um smooth image rendering out of that Mm -hmm. lens that is really hard to replicate with pretty much anything else um and it's down to that that design and it's a, it's a very high resolution lens. So, you know, results wise on either film or, you know, digital, especially, you know, APS-C like Dan, when we hung out that time and chatted, that's what I I was, I had a, you know, the pen F lens on um, an XE2 Fuji and it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost a seamless transition. You know, I had in that bag, I had a pen camera as well. And it's, like a seamless transition between the two and very similar image quality between the two systems. Um, just, you know, film versus digital. So yeah, there's something really special about that lens. And I mean, the other one that might be great for you, if you're going to go down that path again, is there's a 38 millimeter F 2.8 pancake lens for the, the pen F, which is very tiny. I mean, it's like a, like a lens cap lens, you know? Um, oh yeah. It's, it's very small. Now it's, it's really, it's rare and it's more expensive, but then all of a sudden that pen f film camera becomes becomes nearly pocketable because it's so thin um and again that would work great on film or digital so you know that could be a solution too is just getting like that you know a pancake lens to make the whole system smaller but wouldn't that actually just defeat the object though because he's probably already got a a fixed lens already on the the light cameras with that kind of specification 
Yeah. I mean, it, yes. I, yeah. But I mean, if, you know, at some point you wanted to look back into interchangeable lens and going between the two systems that to me, that might be the way to go. But I actually, I think, Dan, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. If you're going to, you know, you know, the, the, those little pen uh, film cameras, the fixed lens ones is, I mean, they're just incredible. Um, uh, the Olympus stuff and it, you know, it, it kind of shows why the later Olympus point and shoots are so highly respected because they, they really like nailed that technology in the early sixties and, and just, you know, just do it fabulously. So you, it's hard pressed to get better image quality out of a compact camera than, than you get out of those things. Does anyone adapt gonna... to digital cameras, the pen EE or any of that stuff? It seemed like you could break it off and find a way to adapt it. Except I, I don't know. You don't have control of the focus. Some people, people do. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, yeah. I thought you were going to tell him about what lens to get if he wants to shoot really special photos at F8. <laughs> and spend a lot of money as well. I mean, we didn't, we didn't hear the whole, you know, I don't still not understand it completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you could get you could get the, the forty two one point two pen f lens and have, have amazing f eight photos with incredible color. Well, he I'm, needs one BDL. Yes, the pen f BDL. <laughs> well, that 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 sort of um, just 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 thinking about when you were just talking raving there about the forty one one point four and and say how it's how it's remarkable how it how it sharpens up by two point eight and you were impressed by that and I'm thinking oh, hold on. There are lots of 1.4 uh, standard lenses that are shot by uh, by yeah, f2, and you're, you're saying, well, by 2.8, it's, it's all getting there. And I'm thinking, yeah, but, this is this is uh, your what this is 1.2 boy talk talking here. Yeah, yeah. but I, I'm talking about across the whole frame, and most most lenses yeah. don't. Most lenses really don't do that. They they're mo a lot of lenses are very sharp, almost from wide open, but if you look at you know lens resolution stuff if you get really geeky the 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 sharpness extends very slowly across the frame as you stop down and most lenses are much sharper in the corner or i'm sorry in the center than they are in the corners unless you stop them down to the middle apertures and if you look at the 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 pen f lens it's kind of the opposite it it sharpens up almost entirely across the frame very early as you start stopping down, which is really unusual. And I, and I think it's why it has such a unique look to it. And it's, it's hard to quantify that. Um, but I think you, it's something that you just see, if you look at output from, from that lens, it has just a unique, uh, character in that way. Um, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's something you can really see if you start looking at it. I'm actually this week on my Instagram, I've been posting some images that I shot on my, uh, Yashica 44 LM, which is a, almost you could almost think of it as a half frame uh twin lens reflex because it uses 127 film and it's got a yashinon lens which we know that you know yashinon lenses you know, yashika lenses are you know they're good stuff um but it's very sharp in the center but even stop down you start to look at the corners and they're really you know smeary and and I, and to my eyes beautiful which is typical kind of like triplet lens design rendering um, but there, it's not extremely sharp in the corners, even stop down. And that's just the fundamental nature of a triplet. It's going to do that. Right. But the Ultron design, it, that that's what makes it so special is that, um, it's extremely high resolution and extremely sharp, even close to wide open. 
I'm going to send you a photo sometime <laughs> from a different lens. Um, an AI Nikkor 51.2 shot at f2, and it is blazingly sharp. Yeah, that lens at is the, amazing. At the, at the corners, not in the middle, uh, the whole the way across. Yeah, on digital. Uh, and yeah. digital, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, talking about uh, Nikon there, um, uh, Dan, that's you. You you do more than uh, take photos with half frame cameras. You're also in there with uh, 35 millimeter cameras as well. And I I, I believe uh, you you're into your Pentax and your uh, Nikon or Nikon as you say over there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I run the half frame club, but I shoot maybe two roll one one or two rolls a month of half frame which is 72 shots to 144 shots, but I probably shoot three to five um, 35 mil full frame rolls. And it's almost always with the Nikon, Nikon or a Pentax. And the reason why this, I laugh, but the reason why is because they focus the right direction. Um, I, the other one, Canon and Olympus, and they don't focus right for me. And I think people can get used to it or get used to either way. For whatever reason, the Nikon Pent Nikon Pentax way was was my way when it came to focusing. So, yeah, I shoot a lot of those, and I love them. I, I tend to like the Pentax lenses a bit better, and the Nikon bodies a bit better. Um, so I might be at odds with some people on that, but um, th those are my favorites right now. So have you have you got? I mean, it's an interesting point there. The Pentax lens versus uh, Nikon lens. I mean, which 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 are your favorite Pentax lenses? Um, well, it, I think it depends on my goal, but I really like, um, like the 51.7, which is a pretty standard lens. I mean, it's just kind of a standard fast prime. I have the 1.4. I don't see a big difference with it for what I shoot. And, you know, you guys are talking about middle apertures. I shoot everything at F5.6 or 8. I'm not really, I don't really take a lot of portraits. I'm not into blurring backgrounds. Um, I almost never shoot wide open, especially another thing in California. It's so bright with sun and whatnot. If I'm shooting 400 speed film, I, I have to be stopped down to five, six or two or eight to even get a shot. Um, but the, uh, I got lost there for a second. What was your question again? It was, uh, it was just, uh, just seeing what your, uh, your favorite, uh, Pentax lenses were, but, uh, but you were saying that you liked the 51.7, uh, potentially oh, yeah. in preference to the, uh, to the 1.4, because you tend to shoot, uh, at the, uh, middle apertures. Yeah, exactly. And then I find myself liking the newer SMCA, which is, has the, um, an automatic setting on it, 50 F2 a lot. And that's, that's a weight thing. For whatever reason, that that lens isn't built as well as a 51.7 or the 1.4 or an old 50 f2. But something about it, the way it balances on a lighter camera, and I like, I think probably a, a trend with me is I like smaller, lighter cameras. So I really like like a Pentax MX or an ME Super. And if you put that 50 SMCA 50 f2 on one of those bodies, the balance of it in your hand and the way it feels is perfect. Um, and I'm big on experience as well as usability but i won't, i don't want to have to like think too much about things when i'm shooting and and that combo is really good um i have a 40 mil pancake that i use sometimes to make the one of those cameras um pocketable and that works pretty well recently i, I don't know why and maybe some can explain this i've been in love with a 55 1.8 that's been like my go-to lens for probably the last six rolls i've shot 
I don't know why that extra five millimeter seems to make a difference in the way I view things or the images seem to have a little more 3D pop, but there's a uh, SMC 55 1.8 that is probably my current most favorite lens. And is that the, the M42 version? I have, the M, the, I have the M42 yeah. version and I have the K-mount and, and I love okay. them both. Yeah, it's nice funny. lens. The, all my M40, I love M42 a lot too. And I have a couple Spotmatic bodies that I use and if I'm shooting black and white, I'm probably shooting M42. And if I'm shooting color, I'm probably shooting K-mount. And I don't know why that is exactly, but that's kind of the way I... I think it's maybe the yellowing on the lenses. Something mm -hmm. about those M42 with the little yellowing kind of acts like a yellow filter. It gives the um, black and white images a nice little contrast. And like with the Spotmatic camera, the metering is not the simplest. But once you get the hang of it, you kind of I kind of use the Spotmatic's push-button meter like a spot meter. Mm -hmm. And I can shoot black and white using kind of a modified zone system really quickly and effectively by metering different parts of the uh, the scene. And it, I don't that camera and those lenses just lend themselves to black and white. And so for M42, yeah, that 55 1.8 and 55 2. I actually use the 55 f2 a little more. Something about that one speaks to me more. And then I really this is going to be weird, but there's a 35 3.5. M42. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. love that thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, that's even, a It doesn't even make sense. I love it's, that one. It, oh, it's legendary. I mean, the, it, the render, it's the render. It, people, you know, it's, you get, you, you can get really wound up in maximum aperture stuff. But for a 35 millimeter, I mean, 3.5 on a 35 millimeter is like, th those are some of the best lenses you'll find in any system. And that one is just, absolutely renowned for its rendering and color and and it's tiny i mean it's you could eat the thing it's like it's like a hors d'oeuvre it's 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 like a little piece of sushi i mean it's ridiculous how small that lens is for what it does you know well then you get into aesthetics and feel it just feels amazing to use it if yeah. the clicks are so good the focus is so every just so positive feeling you know what's what's interesting there is you know i mean you're talking about the m42 one and and everything you're saying uh you know about it being small and great reputation they're, they're all all absolutely true um in a, one of the very early podcasts we we talked about the k-mount version the original um k-mount version of that lens um and that that's it's not small by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's a it's a larger lens than the uh, than the later two point eight, um, but the reputation of that lens is is just so much better. Um, actually, am I thinking about the twenty eight millimeters? You know what? The I've just twenty eight. I'm, I'm talking about similar, the twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, ignore me, please. I'm talking rubbish again. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> do you use a um, do you ever use the M forty two to K adapter on your M forty two stuff and put it on your K mounts? No, so I keep trying. I keep thinking about that, but my understanding yeah. is, if you do that, it doesn't. It doesn't automatically. There's not like the automatic diaphragm control right. lost. You have to manually yeah, stop down yeah. your aperture. So I've never, I've never decided to do that. And now I know I'm shooting with the Spotmatic. I have to manually stop it down every time I meter anyway. But I like, I like, I meter. I meter first. Yeah. I compose, kind of meter, and then get everything in focus, and then shoot. I don't. Wanted, I wouldn't want to have to stop down again. Before right. I, I don't makes know. Sense. That's, that's weird. No, it, it, it makes sense because, I mean, it, it they work really, really well because, I mean, they're designed to go, you know, to work on the K-mount with that adapter. And it, if you get, like, a legit, you know, Pentax adapter, like the quality one, the Japanese one, they, they're really good and it's it's pretty seamless. But you're right. I mean, it's either way you go about it, 
you're shooting it, you know, stop down. Um, so it's not quite as convenient if you're, you know, the whole point is it sounds like that using the K mount because it's just more convenient. It's easier in, in some respects and it does kind of defeat the purpose. So, yeah, the, the, the K mount with the, with the newer, smaller Pentax bodies, I think they're so easy to shoot with. They, yeah. they just, they lend themselves to shooting quickly and getting shots when you need them and they're not in the way. I don't have to devote a lot of mental energy to working the camera. I can devote all my mental energy to yeah. getting the shot the way I want it to, to look. Mm-hmm. It's interesting what you said about um, the 1.4s because um, so I might I might agree with you actually now that I'm thinking about it because the 51.4s, they've probably had everyone. The um, Super Takamura, the SMC, the Super Multicoded, I probably, and I've probably had three of each one of them. And um, I don't think they measure up to an AIS Nikkor. I just, I just don't think they do, and I don't think they measure up to Canon LTM. But the, if I had, if I could, um, if if I had to pick one um, Pentax lens that I own, and that's the only one that I could keep, <laughs> it would, there would be either the, the SMC fifty one point eight or the Auto Takamor fifty f two. I don't know, and there's just something about those two lenses that I really like, the way they shoot. The images are, are are different. They're special, especially that 52 Auto Takamar. Yeah, I've heard you guys talk about the Auto Takamars more. I've never had one of those, but they seem they're a little different the way they're set up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 They're they're nice. I I that's that's I, that's always been one of my my go to lenses. I suggest for people if they're um if they're getting started. I mean, I know a lot of the 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 common wisdom in the classic lenses group tends to be to get a Helios 44, but I've always been partial to the older um, Takamar 55 stuff because I feel like, at least in the U.S., it's easier to find. 55 um, 1.8, that's what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, you know, it, um, and, and I, and of those versions, I like the really old auto Takamar version of that lens for the rendering, and also just I like the way they're constructed. They feel a little bit more like, I don't know. They just have more build, interesting build quality character. Um, so I, it's like one of the few things I will admit to collecting is that is 55 Auto Takamars because there's about you know eight different little micro versions of it that they released over the course of a couple of years before they kind of got fully on board with the you know the the Super Takamar um, design. So they're really interesting lenses and they they render just beautifully. Um, so the only thing about that auto talk is that someone bought that, that, that F2 one as their first classic lens, they might think, holy shit, it's hard to turn the aperture on these freaking, um, classic lenses because it is it's really, it's really a tight click between each stop. I I think it depends on what uh, your particular copy though, because mine are not like that. Okay. Maybe mine's got something causing a problem. It's got worms. All your lenses have worms, Carl. <laughs> I still have that lens. Can't get rid of it. I decided to embrace embrace it, and I took it out last night. I got some shots closed down a little bit. I even have one at 1.4, and you can't see the worms. That's great. That's good news. These are the no, balls no, separation no, worms or whatever? No, yeah. No worm, yeah. yeah wor- worm, wormy balls, yeah. Worm, yeah, Carl's got wormy balls. It's it's an ongoing issue. We, we, we've tr- we treat him. We, we've got him on the medication. Um, but he, you know, he's still got the wormy balls. I think my dog had that once. Yeah. 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 The same stuff. That's what Carl's taking. 
um, you meant you mentioned earlier that you um, you you liked you prefer the Pentax lenses to the Nikon lenses, but um, you, but you've got a preference for the Nikon bodies. Is that is that right? Yeah, Carl and I were actually talking about this before when you guys were logging back into the podcast. That that Nikon FE body, I, that might be my favorite body, and that might sound kind of heretical to say, but um, something about that body and the viewfinder and the way it works, that camera is really good at just becoming one with the user. Uh, the only thing I don't like about that that camera is that, that exposure compensation kind of requires two hands. And I do use exposure compensation, especially if I'm shooting aperture priority. I, I use it fairly frequently. But yeah. what makes that camera special is it, it switches to full manual really easily and seamlessly. So it's for that with that camera, for me, rather than use exposure compensation, it's much easier just to switch into manual and do the exposure compensation myself in my head. Um, and mine came with a 50, a 50 1.8 Series E lens which I hear some people say is awful, and some people say, oh, it's one of the greatest values lenses Nikon's ever made. And I remember when I first, I shot, brought that FE out to shoot it, and I was like, oh, God, I love this thing. Like, I'm going to have, you know, 25 keepers on this roll. And for me, if I ever get more than eight, 12 to 18 keepers on a roll of 36, I consider that fairly successful. Um, and I got all these shots back, and they were just flat, and they didn't have contrast, and... I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, was this the film? Was this thing? And I'm like, oh, it's got to be the lens. So I, I searched for another lens that didn't break the bank. And the Nikkor lenses, they command quite a bit more money than the Pentax lenses. Um, and I found, I ended up settling on a 50 F2 Nikkor AIS. <laughs> it's a um, great lens. That's that lens perfect. is awesome. That yeah, lens is It's awesome. a good lens. Yes. Yep. It's a lot better than the 51.8 Series E. And it, it feels better to use. The, the the image quality is better and so i've since put that to the fe and and i have an fa body as well and carl and i were talking about this and i like the fa a lot except for the led thing because i'm a i'm a i'm a i want to see a match needle or i want to see a, a needle like the k1000's needle or the spotmatics needle i really like a needle for metering if i'm going to shoot manually um and the fa of course doesn't have that but for shooting in program mode or uh aperture priority mode the fa is amazing and and i've had that fifth i've been i go back and forth between the fe and the fa with that 50 f2 and i like the results i get with that a lot that's 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 the first nikon lens that's made me happy but i still if i i took i do a lot of little tests because I'm, I'm a scientist at heart and one of the reasons why i end up sending stuff over to the guys at like a mulse over 35 mc and film shooters collective because i test a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with half frames and I want to like an outlet to put it out there. Um, like, and I'm going to, I'm in the process of running a test with the 50 F2, um, Nikkor and the 51.7 Pentax loaded up on two cameras, setting everything manually, shooting the exact same scenes with the same film, bracketing the shots in a few directions to see which one looks better. You know, sometimes you have it in your head that you like one better, but if you look at them independently, you might yeah. decide differently. Yeah, yep. that, that's a, a recurring theme when we, when when we talk about you know, one lens being better than another. Um, unless you actually test them in identical conditions, you can't truly say that because you know you can have some pictures can turn out amazingly with with one lens and uh, and 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 less so with it with another. Well, it was just taken at a different time of day with different light. Yeah, you know, it, it just doesn't. It just you just can't can't follow it really. 
Oh yeah, it drives me nuts when someone does a comparison of anything, and and all the comparison shots are different shots and different time of day. Yeah, I'm like well, what? Well, this isn't comparing anything. You shot one shot in the forest and one in the nightclub, and you determine that this this lens is better. I'm like, well, you, you got to shoot the same subject, you know? Yeah, and that you know, fair fair play to you as well. I mean, doing that on film actually costs you money. I mean, I've done a, a fair amount of uh, comparisons. In the past, I try not to do them anymore now because they're, they're an absolute pain to do, and and that's on digital. So, uh, so to actually do those things, and I mean, when I when I've done it, the amount of times when I've I've messed up, I've 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 not changed the aperture on something, or I've I've not made it exactly the same, and the, at least you get the option to quickly go back and and redo it, assuming that the light conditions are the same. But you just you've got to get it right first time with with film, and that that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, that little uh, ASA 100 project I did from Emulsa that cost me probably like 50 bucks to do, maybe more. <laughs> um, I just did one. It's even worse. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I loaded up five point and shoot cameras and with all with the same film and shot 18 identical shots with five point shoots at the same wow. time um, <laughs> to see which one I liked better. Um, and I, I it, the results are pretty astounding. Actually, I was I was uh, sharing them with some people yesterday to see if they could tell the difference, and no one could tell the difference. I mean, they could tell the difference, but if I asked them which shot they liked best or why, or which one, which one was the Mu versus which one was the XA versus which one was the the cheap Rico, you know, a lot of people didn't have any idea. So I'm gonna do something with that. But it's those little tests like that. I get a lot of joy out of uh, just coming up with that and refining my own scientific and artistic process and simon you're so dead on you make a mistake you take bad notes it can literally f up the entire thing i mean it sucks and it's expensive so you like do i want to do it all over again or what (laughs) no and then and then the first i i I haven't done it nearly to the extent that simon has i've done a couple of times but the first time i totally botched it up because i didn't take notes and make a note to myself that okay here's how i'm doing it i'm going to take three shots um, over and under compensating um, with this lens. Then I'm going to take three with this lens and then with this lens so that when I bring the thing into Lightroom, I know which ones go with which lens. And I can just imagine with film. Well, see, yeah, it's slower. Yeah, and it's, it's even worse that even with digital, uh, well, uh, with a mirrorless camera using magnification, um, selecting your, your your focus point can be almost like the hardest thing thing to do. Uh, you know, which right. which item is is going to be exactly in focus, and then you can still mess it up. So you, you and then you can say, well, this this was sharp on the other. And then somebody will put it in the comments there. Well, you didn't focus it in the right place. So right. yeah. So I can you judge it? <laughs> and then you're like, oh god, I'm going to start all over again. Um, you're doing that one with 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 film, especially with you know compact cameras, and uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 damn near impossible. I guess I suppose you're going to be taking shots that are going to be effectively stopped down though so uh, your, your depth of field is going to be um that much greater so uh, i suppose your margin of error is, is, is going to be a bit easier to deal with i guess yeah and one of the things i was testing when i was testing the compact cameras is how well they autofocused on what i wanted them to focus on mm. like hey yeah. i want you to focus on this are you understanding that are you are you reading my mind that that's what i want you to focus on so i put them in a couple tricky focus situations to see if they could get the right spot focused and Actually, most of them did pretty well. So, so how many how many cameras did you do with with those with point, the point and shoots? Sheet test? Yeah, I had five. I had five. I took um, I took an Olympus XA2, a Mu1, a Pentax PC35AF, a Ricoh AF40, and a Minolta AF2. 
Right. And I, I loaded them in a bag and I trucked all around my neighborhood and I shot 18 shots. And then I pulled each one out and shot 18 shots of it on its own just to get an idea how the usability was going to be of the camera. Nice. Wow. <laughs> For I'm what just... purpose, I don't know, but it's, 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 it's a need inside my soul. Like, I felt a lot better after I did that. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe on a similar theme, Dan, I want to ask you about, maybe you could tell us about something that you um, just published on 35MMC, uh, which is apropos of our last couple conversations here on the podcast. Um so you you wrote a little bit called reflections on experiencing an attack of anti-gas and this just posted up a couple days ago um and yeah yeah yeah, i just thought if we had time we might if you maybe tell us a little bit about what you wrote and what your thoughts were on that and i mean obviously we encourage people to go check that out we can put a link to that uh to that 35 mmc post you know in the show notes too but i thought you might want to talk about that one a little bit yeah you know so Sometimes you get so caught up in, in the tech aspect of cameras. And cameras are a really easy one to get caught up in. Um, and you guys mentioned guitars. Guitars are another super easy one to get caught up in. You get thinking like, well, I could play like Eric Clapton if I got this Eric Clapton guitar for sure. You know? <laughs> like Henry Cartier-Bresse M3. You like with being your limiting factor. And I wrote that article kind of to myself, like, you know what? It's not your equipment. It's you. And it's kind of all between your ears. And the reason you're not doing the things you want to do is because you're making excuses. And for a lot of people with photography or art in general, the equipment becomes an excuse to maybe avoid doing what you want to do, shooting a project you want to shoot. Say you want to shoot a group of street portraits or whatever. And the reason you're not doing it is because you're spending all your time looking for the best street portrait photography camera. And, mm. oh, I'll start that project when I get the camera. And if you're not careful, that could turn into a long time till you find the camera to shoot that project to the point where you never do the project. And I've had a lot of projects around that I wanted to do, and I hadn't been doing them because I've been spending too much time freaking buying point-and-shoot cameras and testing them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so I kind of wrote that as my as my own little thing, as kind of kicking the butt, and... Uh, one thing, you know, just personally, I had I had major heart surgery about two months ago, and I've had a lot of time to sit and reflect on what's important to me in my life. And it was one of those mornings, um, really early in the morning because I couldn't sleep, that I wrote that article. And I was thinking, wow. you know, it's it's really important for me. I have like serious sounds. I have serious artistic goals. No, but I have some goals artistically that I want to uh, want to accomplish, and I had been putting them off, spending. Ex- a lot of time on the half frame stuff, a lot of time testing cameras and buying cameras on eBay. And I mean, it's a black hole and it's, it's a temporary, it's like a little quick hit of, of an opiate or something. Every time you buy a new camera on eBay, you're like, Oh yeah, I got a good deal on that one. I said, 15 bucks, <laughs> like, and I got the guy to throw in free shipping. Like, so oh, I, I did really well, but I have projects I want to shoot. And so like right now I'm in the middle of shooting a project on half frame with my Yashica Samurai and Ektar 100 of my neighborhood. And challenge myself to do that for three months and i'm uh you know i'm about three weeks into it and i only have two rolls of film left so i don't think it's gonna last three months unless i buy a couple more rolls of ektar and i'm kind of on the fence i need to get my first uh, scans back from that but yeah it was just kind of a personal gut check thing and 
I've gotten some some really interesting feedback from it, and I mean, I'm curious to know what you guys thought of it. Well, I th- that that was my thought is just how you were putting it, uh, everything in a I guess perspective, I- I- as far as what the really important thing to do is, you know, um, and you know, we we kind of had a version of that same conversation here, and I I would like to think we come to somewhat similar conclusions um is you know it's not necessarily about that rush of buying the new thing which we're all so guilty of of that here um (laughs) but kind of spending spending the time um and 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 you know working working with the things that really i think make us happy um and it's you know it can be it can be difficult to do when you're just kind of distracted by all the things you could you could do like you know you, you could get a really nice Hasselblad and not shoot it at all ever and um <laughs> or maybe an m2 or something uh or you could just you know you could just dive right in and use it i guess it's interesting because um my shooting style is so different when i travel versus when i'm here at home when, when i'm here um well, because I've shot every freaking thing that there is to shoot in the city, every pipe, every person, every building, <laughs> uh, I, I, I spend a lot of time trying out all of my different lenses, and, 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 and I have fun doing that. But when I, my favorite place to shoot is Washington, D.C., and I go there relatively often on trips. And, and I find that when I go there um, for film, I, I take my, my pen uh, and my Olympus X, oh, shit. My Fuji XE2 with a, a Canon LTM 35 2.8 lens on it, and that's all. And I, it's all I use for digital the whole time I'm there, even though I might take four other lenses. And then, um, and then I'll take a little film camera, and it's either the Canon 4SB or a small Leica uh, 3A collapsible lens on it. And that's a, that's all I use. And I'll take other other shit with me, but I don't use it. I just use those yeah. and I have a blast. But around here, I don't do that. It's it's a different a different situation. Yeah, makes sense. Well, just going going back to um, Johnny's Barb <laughs> about uh, having a uh, Hasselblad or, or a Leica or a Leica uh, and not using it. That's and and also going back to something that you 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 said there about you know, putting things off um, and. There's uh, some, something. As soon as you said that, there's something resonated with me, which is um, it, it's it, it, not specifically from your article. It just started me off from what you just said there, and it was something that uh, I heard um, a chap called uh, Killian on the uh, Sunday Sixteen podcast um, earlier this year, uh, more like a few weeks ago for me, because I'm still working my way through them. But it was earlier on this year, and um, he talked about projects and. And he just came out with something that's just so simple um, that was was quite quite profound. And uh, you know, if you're going to start a project, the first thing you must do is start. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, I was I was driving, I was thinking, oh my word, of course, <laughs> you know, there's I mean, so many things that I I don't do. Um, I'm world class at world class at uh, procrastination, you know, and uh, and and you're absolutely right when you're saying like, you know, well, if when I've got this sorted, I'll be able to do that, and you know, and that that's exactly exactly where where I'm, where I'm like, and uh, and this this weekend, uh, and this is all leading back to uh, to Carl, uh, Johnny's comment there. This this weekend, I I finally um, got my act together and and uh, set something up to digitise my. 
35 millimeter negatives uh, so i've had the means to do it for some time um yeah. and that in itself has been stopping me from shooting film uh, because if if i'm if i'm decided that i'm going to digitize my own stuff then i've got to be able to digitize it but if i can't digitize it then i'm going nowhere and uh, you know so it just the whole thing just goes around in circles and absolutely nothing happens and so uh, I actually did it this weekend, and uh, I'm quite quite pleased with the with the results. I still can't do um, six by six, but that's something that I'm. Uh, um, Hamish Hamish Gill's going to be helping me out on that one quite soon with a bit of luck. Um, so I will start shooting that Hasselblad at some point. But more to the point, though, um, I now feel that I've I've made that step. I now have an output. I can actually produce scans from my 35 mil shot so now i am actually going to go back out there and, and shoot some film and at some point i will get get through the uh the sh the, the rolls of film that are in several cameras and uh, and put some into that m2 so nothing bad happens to the film when it's in a camera you could, you could shoot a roll of film in your m2 this week yeah it's true yeah it's not gonna you could shoot it tomorrow you can shoot today really today is the best time to start <laughs> Yeah, not tomorrow today like right after this you should go out and, and bust out yeah, that yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've got two range finders that, that need to be used first but they're the now ones they I don't. need to go out and use you, you're absolutely right but I'm going to be, just think be think yeah I'm going to be editing this podcast anyway so I, you're I worried to use the M2 that the photos won't be good enough <laughs> I just won't I just won't share them <laughs> I have plenty of photographs that are not good enough to be published yeah, yeah but the stuff you digitize are great especially when you use the uh uh that special filter in uh that you, that you yeah you have you, that that's it the high high contrast and structure for uh, for those color color negative uh, films yeah. turn it to black yeah, and white I, I think you call it the um uh fuck johnny filter <laughs> which filter is that yeah that's, that's that's exactly the one the one that doesn't crush any blacks <laughs> yes uh, that one yeah 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 there's a filter for that that simon has in what what in uh what uh silver effects, uh, silver effects. yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that, I mean that's another thing. I, I, I'd be interested to see what your take is on this, Dan. That uh, I've so I'm, I'm now scanning scan scan my negatives, and uh, right, and including if if I get if if they've been lab scanned, I'll I'll they go into Lightroom, and I'll, I I can't help myself but tinker with shots, um, even if they appear to be okay to start off with. I've got I've got to do something to them. But one of the things that I I do uh, quite and it was actually Cole that uh, got me into this possibly bad habit um, was to shoot with the uh, color negative film and then just turn turn it to black and white because I think the effect looks really really good um, but I don't know if you if you do similar things whether you have some views that oh, you shouldn't, shouldn't touch these negatives or just wonder what your take is on that I mean I can't say what's right and wrong with that sort of stuff I don't even have the option I only have a Chromebook I don't even have a real computer um, so Lightroom and I don't have any photo. I have a little photo editing things on there. The only thing I personally ever edit on my photos is I adjust the horizon line because I cannot stand a horizon line that's not at zero. And there's a lot of horizon lines in the photos I take. Um, I used to use Lightroom and had I had a couple presets that I used that were just real subtle. To on black and white, I bumped the contrast and warmed them a little bit. And on color, I like kind of applied like a flat orange -y sort of thing to them but even i stopped doing that because I, I i want the film to kind of i figure that if i use the same film in the same lab then the results should always be the same and that in and of itself could be my look but i mean i understand the need to want to tinker and the desire to like you can make it better 
and I have definitely made black and white out of C41 um, film because I've rationalized myself. I've been out like shooting with only color roll and be like, that's a really cool shot. It's going to look like crap in color, but it'll look cool in black and white. Um, and I, I, I mean, I actually believe in seeing black and white versus seeing color. And sometimes I'm seeing color and sometimes I'm seeing black and white. And if I, if I brought the wrong camera out that day, I'm in trouble. So I've definitely done it. It doesn't look quite the same, but I would tell anyone, you know, you can always make a color image black and white, but you cannot always make a black and white image color. Yeah. You know, um, I, I still, I haven't done it for a while, but I, I, for a while, um, used Ektar 100 and made it into black and white and I liked the look. And then I was using, um, XP2 and I thought mm -hmm. I really liked it. And then I, I got some Foma pan and, and it's perfect for me. I really like the look of it. Now I, I just shot some images with that JCH street pan 400 and it'll right. be interesting to see what that looks like. Cause those should be coming today or tomorrow. But this thing about um, I didn't realize you could do it until this weekend. So I, I, I like to shoot black and white on digital, but I like to shoot raw images. And yes, in the, on a Sony, I didn't know this after having a whole freaking year that you can shoot a raw image, right? But you can you can see it in black and white um, in the viewfinder just by, by setting the creative style. And you don't get a black and white picture when you bring it back. You have to make it. But, but you, I, I like framing the picture and composing it. The way that I want it to Haven't come you ever, out. You haven't, you haven't done that on your Fuji no, I either. Had never, I had never done it. No, you know what I did? I always shot a raw and a JPEG pair. Okay. Yeah, um, and it's annoying. Yeah, the, the raw is going to be a, just a regular old color file. Right, but I didn't know you. I thought you had to do the pair. I, I didn't know you yeah, could just. That's okay, Carl. So we won't, think, we won't think, give you another time. About think is, Carl. If you're if you're viewing black and white through your viewfinder, then you, you're not truly taking in black and white as a as a proper photographer, though, are you? Really? I think it's proper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think a lot of. I mean, a lot of old black and white photographers in SLR stuff. They, they one of the reasons why a yellow filter or red filter works so well is it makes you see in black and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah. Yep. Actually, the other the earlier on this week, I I did some uh, last week. Sorry, I did did some landscape work, and I went out with a friend, and he specifically went out with the intention of taking black and white photos in a in a. Um, a scene with a river and a waterfall and, and things like that. And whereas I absolutely went out with a view of, of, of taken in color and uh, yeah, we, we took, I, there was no comparison between the, the shots that we took. We took completely different photos and mm -hmm. his, his photos look great in black and white. Mine, I think look good in, in color and his photos, if they were in color, I don't think they would have worked. And my and my photos certainly didn't work in black and white. Um, so if you go out, mm. you know, if you go out with that mindset, then you you you, I think you end up with a better photo. Yeah, I agree with you. There's, I don't know what controls it, but but there's sometimes I'm like wake up and oh, it's black and white day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's other Actually, days like ah, oh, the world's full of color. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. I I I do that. I, I think that all the time when I'm thinking about what I'm going to leave the house with. And um, I actually have, so that little uh, Minolta um, Riva panorama I have that shoots the crop, the, you know, the crop panoramas on 35 millimeter. I actually have two of them now. I have one with color film and one with black and white film. Cause sometimes I really want to shoot a particular scene as a black and white, you know, pano. And sometimes I really want to, there's some something that makes me really want to do is the color shots. So now I have, I have two of them, one with color film, one with black and white. And I, 
I did that for years when I uh, shot Rolleflexes. I would have uh, one Rolleflex with color film and one with black and white. And, you know, that way I could have the choice between the two. And I, cause I do think it, it's different. It's not just like, I'm going to change the color. I'm, I'm going to change this to either a monotone or a color after the fact. It's like, I like to think about it at the starting point as either black, white or color. Cause it's two totally different approaches to rendering a scene, I guess. Oh yeah. Like I mentioned it before, like certain bodies lend themselves to shooting black and white, like a spotmatic for me yeah. is easy to shoot yeah. black and white in and other other bodies like a lot of compact point and shoots and aperture priority cameras it's much easier to shoot color yeah um and if you what's that expression begin with the end in mind have you guys heard that yeah. expression right 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 i mean that that certainly used to be the case when i when i was you know, pre-digital when i would walk around with uh, one camera with uh, slide film and the other camera would have um, oh. black and white and yeah. one camera would always be the black and white camera Yep. Um, and I just I would never never swap between the two of them, and I, I think with and they weren't the same camera. Yeah, you know, one was a Yashica, the other was a Contax, and they handled quite differently from from each other. And um, so yeah, I, I think that 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 differentiation, if you like, it it, it sort of it, it definitely helps you. Um. Anyway, I think now um, because I know this again, uh, Carl is uh, slightly time pressed, and I think we've. Uh, we probably this is probably a, a, a good time to bring things to an end now. Um, so, so Dan, I want to thank you for being a great guest today. Um, we've really, really enjoyed listening to you and uh, um, having our mind expand expanded by um, by something <laughs> smaller, <laughs> smaller <laughs> frames. Right? Yeah, that could happen. Why not? You get you get twice as many shots with a smaller frame, so you have an opportunity to expand your horizons in some capacity. And and just think about how long it can sometimes take to actually get a roll of film. If you've, if you've got a thirty six exposure roll of film in full frame, my word, that can take some time. Yeah, you know, what a long time ago, or not a long time. What Anal Mystery one time he used a phrase that I really liked to describing how you could you think of the shots for the half frame as a little less less precious. Yeah, and you don't yeah. have to like clutch onto them as much. Like it has to be perfect. Instead, you just shoot and i kind of maybe in some ways use a did use the uh the half frame a lot like other people use a digital camera like I'll, with the half frame i'm not scared to take 10 shots of the same exact thing to try to get it right and a lot of times with the half frame i use it as a testing camera for using medium format stuff because i i shoot six six by four by five a lot as well um and I'll take a shot in half frame 10 times and then go back and reshoot it with my Mamiya in medium format and nail it mm -hmm. because I know I got the shot right with the half frame last time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's like a creative tool that maybe not, maybe not the final product you're looking for might not be half frame. Just like I know some people take digital shots and then come back and shoot it in film once they know they they got the shot the way they wanted to. I I think you can use it as a kind of a sketchbook in that way, you know. Yeah, I think I think yeah. you're absolutely right. And that was something I was chatting to um, to M uh, and Carl and uh, 
uh, Johnny recently, the, the, going back to that, uh, I was trying to wind the show up, but we're carrying on again now. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. No, we've gone somewhere where it's, uh, it's it's an interesting point there about shooting different, one way to ultimately shoot another. And uh, one of those uh, shots that I took of, in, a, in a waterfall, they're standing in the middle of a river, um, I, and I shot it with a 50 mil um, planar, uh, Zeiss planar lens uh, on, my, on my Sony. And the position was perfect for the shot, um, but you look at the shot, and, it, and I took it. It's a vertical uh, landscape shot, and um, and it, it, it looks good, but it just feels a little bit cramped on the sides. And I've got a, a fifty mil uh, Distagon uh, lens that there uh, with with my Hasselblad, and I'm thinking, you know, if that was actually there, and that was the lens on my camera, that shot would have been perfect. It wouldn't have been mm -hmm. cramped. I would have had the same perspective as I would as as I had because I'm still shooting at fifty mil. Because fifty mil, at the end of the day, is fifty mil. It's just a larger format. You just get more around the edges, you know. And that that was exactly what I was missing. And uh, so I now know that I'm going to go back there one day and actually take that shot again and and hopefully uh, do it do it more justice. Yeah, you could have held the camera in landscape, and you could have done a vertical stitch of about ten shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there it, was, been, it might have been really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other bit of advice for me is take it on another day. I took it on the wrong day as well. I think yeah, the, the light wasn't good enough for you, if I remember right, Carl. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was it was okay. No, I, it was no, it was a good shot. I was just like my comment wasn't negative about your image. It was just that there are people who do landscape photography and they get images sometimes when I look at them, I just think it's just like, yeah. wow. And, and it's a combination of knowing the right light and the, maybe the filter they use and the, and the shutter speed. They're, they're, they're probably mostly the ones that I really like, they're probably shooting at a really slow shutter speed. Mm -hmm. uh, and when it's just about dark or just getting light in the morning or something. And, um, it's not going out in the in the day and taking the well, photo. It's, it's those those are the kind of shots where people are putting a, a, a great deal of time yes. into what they're doing. They, they, yep. you, it is possible to turn up and, and and take an amazing photograph. I mean, every now and again, we all come up with something that that's that's pretty good. You know, uh, I think Johnny's might have said once upon a time. I think we probably take about twelve good shots a year or some, something like that. And I, and <laughs> I, I, I go along with that. Um, and there are times where you can turn up in exactly the right time, the right place, and you've got the right equipment, and you've got the right mindset to get the right shot, and you can just be really lucky. But those people that can turn these shots out seemingly without effort, well, it's just not like that at all. They put in a huge amount of effort, in, and they, they're getting up at ridiculous times in the morning, and they and sometimes they just they know exactly what they're going to take. They go in there to take effectively one photograph, and they know what that photograph's going to be, or rather what they're, going, what they're going to try and actually do just to take one photograph sometimes. I've, I've known that to be the case. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Landscape photography is the journey is as much as anything else. You got to put a lot of time in. Sometimes get really far away from a road or hike in five miles with fifty pounds of gear to get your shot. You know. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, I used to be in a photo club that I I, I don't participate in anymore in town, um, and they uh, they all entered a statewide photo contest every year. And this one guy always won. He's a great photographer, and um, and, and the one year that he won. So I had submitted some photos, and then this guy showed us the photo he submitted. And so he he had gone on a, a Russian um, fishing vessel to Antarctica and shot a picture of a penguin 
standing on the edge of an iceberg. That was one of the photos. And then, and then he had gone on an eight-day hike in somewhere in South America where he could go out on an exposed uh, rock flat in the ocean because he knew when the tide was going to be low at the same time that the sun was going to be on the right angle to hit the side of a ship that had shipwrecked onto the thing. You know, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, this, by the way, this exact topic came up on the Sunny 16 <laughs> Uh, uh, the 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 challenge uh, landscape. So it, we talked about exactly this, and I had a. I'm not going to tell it again here, but I had a similar story about, you know, the extents that some people go to to get one shot that it becomes a little bit absurd. <laughs> well, on the, on that note, Johnny, um, let's yep. let's close it all down now, and. Um, uh, do you want to tell us how people can keep up with you on social media and the real world as well? Me or, or Dan? I don't John, know if Dan John. got that far. No, no, oh, we'll, okay. we'll, 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 we'll get to Dan, don't worry. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you, you, you can keep up with me uh, on Instagram. I'm at System Photography, kind of back in the swing with that again. Oh, I was going to trash say some trash about Instagram, by the way. I, we could save that. They're just pissing me yeah, off right now. Do it next time. We'll do it next time, yeah. Um, you suck Instagram. Stop being jerks. Uh, uh, so on Instagram, begrudgingly at the moment, uh, you can catch up with me um, at Central Camera Company in Chicago. Most days I am there at the camera counter. Um, you can also find me in the Photography with Classic Lenses uh, Facebook group. And you can e email us at classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. And Carl? Yeah with classic lenses facebook group and i also have a Flickr page it's just my name and um on instagram with my name and it's all under um lowercase letters on instagram and and dan do you want to uh, share with us the uh, the the places that uh, people can follow you and the things that you do sure yeah uh i'm on instagram i run the half frame club that's at half frame club all one word on Instagram and I also have a website www.halfframeclub.com so I'm doing all the half frame stuff right now We've got a pretty good community growing and I'm always looking for more people who are interested in shooting half frame uh, personally I think I'm on Instagram as well as Dan Mar D-A-N-M-A-R underscore photos I almost never put anything on there so might not be worth uh, looking at that but I also have danmarinelli.com uh, I post links to the different articles I do you can check me out there as well um, and I would say just randomly that if you haven't got a chance to go to Central Camera Co. where Johnny works, it's like a it's like a camera lover's wet dream. It's a pretty cool place. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen anything quite like it. It's pr pretty impressive. Yeah, I think we're all pretty jealous of Johnny working there, really. Uh, but uh, thank you very much again, uh, Dan. It's been great. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so finally for me I'll, I'll say goodbye as well actually before I say goodbye um, I'll just make a note uh, for people that uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks off now um, so you'll have two weeks uh, where you don't have to worry about us um, <laughs> um, and uh, we will be back on the 3rd of September um, so uh, yeah we're just going to take a little, little bit of a break um, so uh, you can if you want to know where I am um, I'm on uh, simonforsterphotographic.co.uk that's my website um, I'm on Instagram 
it's the same name, Simon Forster Photographic. Twitter is the same. Um, I'm on, uh, where am I? I'm on Flickr. Is uh, You can find me under Simon Forster. I think there's a few of them there, but eventually you'll uh, find the guy that uses lots of old lenses. Um, plus, I usually post a, a picture of the Classic Lenses podcast in there as well, so that's quite an easy way to find me uh, in, in the feed there. Um, I'm sure there are other places I'm out there, but I think that's that's good enough for now. Um, we're all in the Facebook group, Photography with Classic Lenses, and I hope you've enjoyed this week's show, and it'll be great if you can join us again in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think the Pentax are better. I just did a test for M uh, at Emulsive, It'll come out maybe in a week, about two weeks, I think, three weeks. Um, I compared all the 50 millimeter Pentaxes to one another, shooting the same scene. The same oh, scene. nice. Um, and then I threw a 40 and a 55 in there just for fun. Because I don't know if you remember a while back, I sent you an email, Johnny, like, how do people yeah. bitch and moan that a 38 is the wrong focal length for their shots, but a 42 <laughs> or a 35 would have been perfect? I'm like, you gotta, are you fucking kidding me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I mean, I understand if you needed a 70 and you had a 38, that's cool, but like, right, oh, the, right. the 42 would have done everything perfect, but blame it on the 38. Yeah, lean forward eight inches, idiot. <laughs> Do you listen to Sunny 16? Yeah, I, 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 you know, in the photography podcast world, I listen to you guys, Sunny 16, and uh, Analog Talk sometimes, and then sometimes I listen to Negative Positives or... Um, studio c41 but not maybe not as much i listen to i've probably only listened to a lot more non-photography podcasts than pod, than photography yeah. podcasts yeah. and i only usually try to listen to one at a week so i kind of go back and forth between you guys and sunny 16 yeah. on any given week um but i'm mostly caught up with both of you guys at this mm. point oh yeah I, I, those guys are a trip well it, it strikes me that you'll be a perfect guest on there um but you're you're probably you know in, in terms of content we had to like direct you a little bit to to keep on track with our, our theme if you like whereas yeah whereas you know you you're absolutely everything that you do is on theme on in there and it's it'll be yeah, a, no an doubt. easier experience really yeah and it, it, yeah that makes sense i want a digital camera so bad too i, I want to fit into the classic lenses with digital cameras well, that's the thing. <laughs> we're not we're not a digital specific digital group. No, either. I know. But we started with classic lenses. Yeah, but it's that thing. You know, we started off uh, as, as, as ultimately as digital, and then we all got into into film, and some people always were into film. Um, and it, it's is this? I mentioned it earlier. It's a, it's a strange thing. We we sometimes get told off for talking too much about film. And um, but we don't get told off talking too much about digital. We can talk as much digital as we like, as long as it's with old lenses. Um, so it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny balancing act sometimes. It's a bit weird, especially since the people who are I mean not, maybe not all of them, but I feel like if you're shooting a classic lens on a digital camera, you're kind of chasing a film look anyway. Maybe maybe not. Not 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 for me. You go. I'm, I'm, but then again, I'm a I, I shoot film and I shoot digital, and I, I I don't view the two things to be one trying to be the other. Um, yeah, so we, the, the the look you get from from digital using a, a, a perhaps a weird lens or something like that. I just like the fact that the lens looks weird, and I'm not necessarily trying to get a film look. I just want a, a something that's not clinical. 
uh, which you could argue, yeah. you could argue that's that's a film look, but it's not because I'll I'm not necessarily going to I don't introduce tons of grain into it or anything like that. So I'll, I'll keep them as clean digital files really, and they are, they they can be seen to be digital. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably a better way to think of it. Not necessarily a film look, but kind of the random imperfection that yes. occurs with film. Absolutely, and that's very. Uh, the random imperfection and the, the occasional surprise and and that sort of stuff, I think, is really one of the funnest parts of photography. Dan's kids are Dan. Tell them about your kids and Simon's accent, real quick. Oh, my kids love your accent, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> they love any British accent, but I played them here, and they're like, "Oh God, that accent!" And my son, he's ten, and he does this character called Un- Uncle British speak. Can you get him on it. for a minute? You could just get him on for a minute. Oh, uh, at the end, yeah, he's asleep still right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah get we'll him up the end. Chat at yeah, the end, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we can have him. Do a, we can have him come on and do a British accent. He's got a perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. On the, just on the on the opposite side of that, my my, my kids and wife love Johnny <laughs> for his accent. That's yeah. what he said. I don't even think Johnny has an accent. That's funny. Everybody's wife loves Johnny. It's okay, Sagan. <laughs> you, you start there, and then there'll be people listening to you in a year's time, um, work, working their way through, which is you know, that's exactly what I'm doing with uh, Sunday 16 podcast. I'm up to episode 95. In fact, Mike Padua at the moment is um, judging the cheap shots challenge <laughs> on the episode I have in the car at the moment. Shoot film car, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't know Sunny Sixteen. The name of the podcast reflected the running time of the program when I uh, was going to go on there. <laughs> it was like Sunny Sixteen hours. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I had so much fun. It was awesome. In case, in case you put that on the outtakes, Simon. <laughs> oh, you make outtakes. Hey, do you want? Do you want to guys hear my? Should I grab my son now so he can talk to you? With oh, the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's his yeah, name? Let me, go, let me go grab him. His name's Charlie. Charlie. Right. Charlie. Yeah, you remember like the whole Charlie yeah, thing? Yeah. yeah. Grab him. Charlie. Hey Charlie, you want to you want to talk to a guy with a British accent? Okay, ready? I'm gonna put you on here. You're gonna hear that. I'm gonna put the headphones in your ear and you can talk. Okay. Ready? This is Johnny and Simon. You hear their voices? Hold on. Get your head out of your way. There you go. Say hello. Hi, hi, Charlie. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. How how old are you? I'm ten. You're ten. Oh, that's 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 good. Do you do you like taking pictures with your with your dad's cameras? Yeah. Oh, are you are you better than your dad already? Probably not. No, no. I, I bet you, you are. To... I bet you hey, are. Charlie, this is this is uh, Johnny. I know I know your dad too, and he told me that you do a character. You do a voice character called Mr. British, something like that. Do you do yeah. him? Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Could you do a little bit of him? Okay. Uh, um. Well, I need something to talk about. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Would you like some tea? <laughs> Outstanding. That's excellent. That is excellent. That's great. That's better than my British accent, that is. <laughs> 